Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are here to review season three of Star Trek Discovery. Give our highs, our lows, and everything in between. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting from the Ready Room Studios with Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Man, I am doing great. Uh, glad to be on here tonight. It was looking like it was going to be a stretch to get here. I got called in on my day off, but you know, it is what it is, but we get to talk a little more Star Trek, even though Discovery's over and I'm happy about that. Oh yeah. And also from the Red Room Studios, we have Jeremy Barrow. How are you, dude? I'm doing good. I'm, you know, always glad to be here. I do not have the eventful day Jonathan did. I just kind of rolled out of bed and showed up. (laughs) So it's been a good day. Yeah, your day sounds a lot like mine. <laughs> I've done nothing today as so a be lazy. Uh, also on the podcast, we have Cal Jones. How are you, man? Hey, I am glad to be back. Missed last week, except for just a little bit of time that I was able to beam in. But glad to be back and glad to talk about the entire Series 3 of Discovery. So, yeah, glad to be here. How about you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Happy to be back for another episode. So in a season where there have been so many freaking mysteries, uh, we can finally ask ourselves, I guess, ask the people listening to, was it all worth it? We'll talk about it. But what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on. If you're listening on iOS, and I know you are. Please drop us a five stars there and also, you know, leave a short text review if you are so inclined. We really appreciate it. And that helps the show get discovered. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So we're going to get right into our you know, chat about season three of Star Trek Discovery. And with that, I'm going to kick it to Cal Jones to give us the beats of the season. All right. So here we go. It began with hope going where no Trek had gone before. Now, so far from home, the crew searches for the people of Earth. The book reveals a queen and a new chapter for Michael, while Discovery is helped by them in more ways than one. Across the stars they go, to the fleet they find. What is old is now new, and some things never change. Mirror, mirror in the mind, and a story resolves, while death in the future means life for viewers three and one. A tantrum we witnessed as the wicked arrived, yet really, wasn't this episode just a bit contrived? (laughs) The truth be told, and so we did learn the convenient truth behind the burn. Yet in the end, I was given this task by our esteemed host. It was a good season, even though Stamets and Burnham's friendship might be toast. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Cal Jones goes above and beyond with this one. 
Wow. Standing ovation, guys. <laughs> yeah, for real. I could I could give a golf clap for that one. That was freaking amazing, dude. Thank you, sir. So uh, enjoy this conversation, guys. It's over. Yeah, yeah podcast's <laughs> over. We can go home now. Oh, uh, I think the my favorite part about that is when you said book found a queen. Is that what you said in there? The book reveals a queen, reveals the queen. and a new chapter for Michael. Wow. Wow, you out, you outdid mm-hmm. yourself, dude. <laughs> Thank really you, sir. Did. So with that, uh, let's go around and get overall thoughts on season three of Star Trek Discovery. And I want to start with you, Jeremy. What did you think, man? You know, I really, I mean, the highs and lows, everything in between. This is really a great season. Yeah. Well, the, I was just, one of my notes I wrote down, like, is it harder to write with an existing canon or to create new canon? And I think the writers did an outstanding job of writing new canon. Yeah, the shackles have been loosed and dropped and they you could it seems like they just had more. Well, I don't I I don't know for sure if they had fun writing it, but it felt like they had fun writing this season. And I certainly had a lot of fun watching it and seeing seeing the new possibilities of what they can do now that it's so far removed from being, you know, pigeonholed by being in a certain time period so john overall thoughts man man i try i put a lot of thought into this because i knew this question was coming obviously and you know kyle just kind of steals the thunder of (laughs) summing it all up (laughs) uh but overall man i think it was a great season it was a season that i really didn't want to end it was one of those things that i was kind of wishing we had 20 episodes of um it started out with a bang i mean it hooked me from the start i loved it uh there was a lull in it a little bit but uh nothing we couldn't get by um but man i guess overall i would just have to say growth was this season growth interesting Uh, i really like that uh cal jones your thoughts so I think this season benefited from the fact that they're no longer in the past and not even in the Picard future or the Picard era. They are tracking in their own new trek, for lack of a better term. And I think that possibility and like what Jeremy said earlier, they weren't beholden to canon they're writing their own and i think that just helped the story grow so tying in what both of you guys said i I enjoyed it it was fun it i think is the best of the three even though i liked all three i i think as far as character development character growth it may be the best out of the three what about you clarence what do you think yes I certainly love the fact that it was not beholden to it didn't have to adhere to other canning that canon that was surrounding it. I think maybe that was the best thing. We could start to see some of these visual and story elements that really set it apart and really, you know, that are a benefit from doing the show in 20, you know, 2019, 2020, that it. It allows the show to be different visually and in, in maybe a different type of storytelling. So the fact that we're we can show these bombastic visuals is not constrained by being in 
the 2250s. Although, you know, they did show that stuff then, but it was always riddled with, oh, that can't happen in that timeline, you know, because it's fair enough. <laughs> what happened in that timeline does look very aesthetically different. So I'm glad that they've had that freedom there and they've kept this mystery box going that they've been doing for several seasons now of giving us this, this big mystery that we're going to try to solve by the end of the season and many mysteries on top of that. So I think that all of those played out very enjoyable, very well done and we can debate some of that a little bit later. But overall, I really enjoyed the introduction of a few new characters, seeing what the future can look like. And, you know, and the possibilities are endless from there. So my overall thoughts are that I really enjoyed this season. Pretty much everything about it. Uh, if I had. Well, I'll leave my complaint a little bit later, but I did have maybe a few nitpicky things. And that's. And that's maybe more geared around some of the races and stuff we didn't see uh, in this season at all. So, but we got to see Endorians and stuff. So I thought that was awesome. Orion's. <laughs> so who wants to take the favorite moment of the season? So I have to say probably my most exciting moment. And maybe a lot of people agree or a lot of people will not. Uh, Tilly being promoted to first officer was my favorite moment of this season. We went through the first two seasons, either bashing her on the head or praising her for trying, but she never really had a win. You know what I mean? She never really had that growth that we were looking for. And I've always liked her as a character, and I just kind of wanted to see her contribute more, be a little more important in the storyline than just maybe comic relief almost. Uh, So to me, I say that was... Well, that and one more. So uh, and again, so this kind of goes down into my um, most unexpected moment probably would have been was a tie for me on favorite. But I put it on unexpected was book being and being able to control the spore drive. So that that little small arc there was actually a very uh, highlight of the season for me as well. But that was more unexpected than anything. I expected Tilly to be promoted and I was gladly Right. <laughs> so that was my favorite moment, man. And I know a lot of people that will not agree with that. But for for me, it just gave me the good feels and the champion type feeling. You know what I mean? Like we made it. We did it. Good job. Yeah. Did, did Tilly's promotion land on anyone anyone else's list anywhere? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with it being Jonathan's top moment. I like the moment, but... I have to give if I have to pick a favorite, it has to be something that moves me, either makes me smile, makes me cry, either happy, cry, you know, happy tears, sad tears, whatever. And for me, my favorite moment would have to be when she became captain, she being Michael Burnham. That that was really, really cool. If you go back and you watch the progression of the last three seasons, then it it's just a character journey, and it was given to her not because she didn't earn it or et cetera and so forth. She deserved it. They Everybody wanted her to have it. Whoop-de-doo, let's go forward. That was my favorite moment. But I don't disagree with your points about Tilly. In fact, I 100% agree with you. Well, it's, it's funny that both of those revolve around being captain. 
<laughs> from the opening scenes of Star Trek Discovery, we've kind of expected um, being a captain to be part of uh, Burnham's arc, though, you know, being the Starfleet's first mutineer didn't help that argument <laughs> or help that trajectory. So, yeah, I have to say I'm quite surprised to see her make this change, although she's worked very, very hard to do so. So, I, I, I you know, I thought that was very fitting. It came sooner than I expected, but <laughs> I, I do find it very fitting. And also for Tilly, I mean, Tilly's been saying ever since we first seen her, I'm going to be captain one day. And although it was short lived in this season, it was interesting to see her. And we've seen this over the last two seasons, see her grow and finally see her take those reins and do her best attempt at it, even though we know she still has some growing to do. And she'll get there. I know she'll get there. So I'm going to kind of keep in the same vein. And my favorite moment was actually when Saru became captain. <laughs> <of this country. laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> Everybody wants captain, man. And, you know, I, and I agree with both of them. I think, you know, Tilly's promotion and, you know, Michael's promotion, which, you know, I agree that we all saw coming. We just didn't know when was probably would be listed under my unexpected moments. But seeing Saru finally get that get that chair just made me smile the biggest inside of smile in a while. <laughs> I get that. I, I get that. That that was a good moment, though. I I did enjoy that. And that was like another one of those t- things that we were like, we kind of knew or hoped it was coming. Right. And like they were building to it, but never really just gave it to us. And it was like, yes. I just wish it would have lasted longer. Yeah. Hey, the show is not over. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And, and it's funny because, because in a lot of ways, I feel like Saru especially in this season, he took a step forward and kind of took a step back by the end of things. But to see where his race has come from, from being a race who thought that they would die at Vaharai, you know, and being (laughs) oppressed by the Bayul to being jettisoned into this future. And we're seeing their race are now an integral part of the Federation you know, kind of a letdown that they caused a burn, but you know, be that as it may. <laughs> but Ghost and Rue, man, I, 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 you know, I just feel happy for that character. I feel like the arc for that character is, is, is maybe one of my favorite of, of just Star Trek in general. Um, and from, from season one to now, I feel like, uh, you know, it, it was a moment to see Saru be captain. I will totally admit that. And, you know, it, it, it kind of, it's reminiscent of, well, I'm not gonna say reminiscent, but I mean it. It kind of embodies what Starfleet and the Federation is, or like what their values are. Like just that moment, you, you you didn't have to. Like if you never watched Star Trek and you really didn't know what it was and what the Federation was about and what Starfleet was about, just watching Saru's arc from the start till now kind of tells you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and real quick, my favorite moment of the season. I've struggled with this one, but I think it was um, everything in the uh, Terra Farmer Part Two. Well, I really wanted to to see Giorgio, you know, really, you know, an unexpected change, maybe. But we did see a change in her that I never thought we would see to that extreme, and. 
I think when I say moment, I think the moment is solidified once we see this Giorgio who has been with our prime universe characters for so long be put back into that environment. So the moment was seeing her go back and seeing how much she actually had changed as, as compared to who she was before. So, yeah, just Michelle, you is a, is a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go ahead and say that was my most surprising character arc. Yes. Mine as well. For Giorgio. Yes. That, that's crazy. That was what I put down for my most surprising character <laughs> arc. Really? <laughs> And it, it, it and surprising in a good way, you know. You, I, I kind of expected Giorgio to be Giorgio throughout this season. You know, I didn't really expect a lot of growth. I expect to learn some things about her, but I didn't really expect to see a lot of growth. And just what we've seen all the way up till the end was a growth I just never thought I would expect. Like even the hug of Captain Saru, what I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, who would expect that from Giorgio? You know, she softens up without losing her edge, and I liked that. Yeah, almost like she has this veneer of toughness, but you know, the whole time she's really changed underneath. But she's still trying to be that kick-ass person, you know. <laughs> And since all of you have totally done your most surprising character arc, mine is probably going to be Tilly, to be honest. And in a sense of if you would have told me at the end of season two that Tilly would become the first officer, I would have never believed it. Never. And, you know, some things had to happen for for that to come into into place. I mean, Nan was kicked off the ship or left the ship, excuse me. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's this void. There's this void there. And we also saw over the course of the season, her and Saru become closer and gain conf- he, he and him gain confidence in her. So as far as character arcs, I, that was the most surprising to me. I never expected her to go from the bumbling, fun-loving person she is to, <laughs> to, you know, delving out orders. And by the end of it, being a kick-ass leader to, you know, go and destroy the nacelle at the very end. So, yeah, that was by far, like, my most surprising of the season. You know, that's yours most surprising. And I have Tilly as my favorite character arc. And I think that a lot to do with what you said at the beginning is, you know, you didn't expect Tilly to be in that position. So that surprised you, but I expected it, which made it my favorite. So for me, I would have to say my favorite is going to be Michael Burnham's. And the reason is they threw me for a loop um, by having her be in a, a year in the future alone. I think that was an excellent decision. Excellent decision. So yeah. although we didn't get to see it on screen, we, hear about and they keep referring to this year of adventure as as carriers where they you know a little bit darker um doing things that might not be 100 percent starfleet federation regulation you know (laughs) so you have a year again even though we didn't see it of burnham becoming tougher and maybe letting go a little bit of her logic and even protocol that she's gained from being a Starfleet officer into um, be, having a little bit of that renegade mentality. 
which we all know that is kind of the formula that makes one of the, some of the best captains. <laughs> so seeing her have that that year long and her over the course of the rest of the episode slowly easing back into that uh, Starfleet mentality and once again finding herself and up until the moment where where she's you know sitting in that seat that mm-hmm. ugly uniform is uh, <laughs> <laughs> is is by far my favorite character arc. Anybody else have thoughts on favorite character arc? Well, mine was was Philippa was Georgia, and I think we pretty much covered that. Um, I just loved her; she's awesome. So to see her, you know, grow and to soften up her hard shell without losing that shell was great. And I'm going to miss her. Yeah, I second what you just said. I, you know, I'm sitting here trying to think of favorite character arcs, but you guys have pretty much hit on what I think are the big positive highlights of this season, which are Michael, Tilly, and Giorgio. So, you know, I think if I were to add something, it would just be rehashing what you guys have already said. So, I would say my favorite character arc is a combination of all three of those because I think they were all three brilliant. Now, I do think there's one character arc that they kind of missed a chance on growing was for Detmere with her post-traumatic stress syndrome. Right. They just kind of plateau. They just kind of calm that like half the in half the season and we didn't really get to see that play out. And they made such a big deal about it at the beginning and we just kind of forgot. Yeah. Well, they kind of solved it with Colbert being kind of the uh, is psychologist, the word I'm looking for, to to kind of help them, help the whole crew, for that matter, get through. The- but, but we didn't see any ramifications of it besides her snapping at Stamets, probably really deservedly PTSD or not. No. At the dinner. You're wrong, Jeremy, because when they were in book ship, she told Ren, if you face your problems head on, you can oh, get God. through it. I didn't know we were at the disappointing moments yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess if you had to find a moment where we kind of dug into that, that would be it. Maybe that was the writer's way of kind of smoothing that out, if you say. But, eh, you know, <laughs> can't yeah. win them all. <laughs> and, and I also think some of that was addressed by the whole notion of what was happening to Giorgio when they they kept going back to these temporal effects and then these uh, uh, dimensional effects of what's um, ailing Giorgio. And Colbert even mentions that, you know, they had been experiencing the temporal effects of coming in the future already. So I kind of lumped that all in together as being resolved. But I, I definitely get you guys' point. My my most unexpected moment of the season was the burn itself um, to go through all they went through to get to the future and not only get to save the future <laughs> by traveling here. And they get there and they find out the very organization they're doing it all for or under um, is not even there. That is that is pretty huge. Hmm. I, I would say I would take it just slightly in a different direction. The Starfleet that they knew was there. It just had changed into a much smaller version. I really kind of expected there to be no Starfleet when they got to the future, period. Yes, I kind of agree with you. I was I was kind of surprised when they 
actually found Starfleet because I didn't think it would be there. Yeah, but you know, if they had got there and there was no Starfleet, I think we would have just been <laughs> rehashing like season two. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we needed to move forward f- from season two, and they did a great job of that. Like, we needed a separation. Like, we 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 acknowledged the challenges in season two, and I actually there were some things you could say that were left unresolved, but not enough to continue those issues into season three so the fact that starfleet was still there kind of gave us the closure of season two in my my opinion well i mean and also to cal's point it, it's a very different federation i mean the right. the vulcans the Marians are not part of the federation earth my goodness are not part of the federation huge oh, wow, differences yeah. huge differences yeah, I might have to uh, alter my most unexpected moment. I forgot about that. It was Earth not being part of Federation. Like, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, that was pretty big. Pretty freaking big. And, you know, to have a Federation where that's not the case, and they're hiding somewhere in this distortion field out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was very unexpected. Good job, but very unexpected. So, guys, what is your favorite thing about this distant future that we are now in? And, Jeremy, you take that first. What's, what's your favorite thing about this 3188-3189? So, I'm going to kind of be probably different than anybody else's. My favorite thing is the stuff we don't know that they have yet. Because we've kind of gotten a taste of what all they can do. But, like, we haven't seen mobile emitters, if they still actually have them at this time or you know, how far they have progressed technology-wise. We've just got a small taste of it. So I'm kind of excited about what we don't know about. Hmm. So I'm going to take what Jeremy said, because I agree with him, but to a very much more specific point, I'm excited about this programmable matter. Mm. Like the, and now we, so we kind of go into that gray area of, you know, scientifically plausible or not, but, you know, sidebar that like the the opportunities, the the capabilities of programmable matter would, in my mind, would be endless. And to see what all they've done with that would be an amazing thing to get into. Yeah, I, th- I think we've only scratched the surface of what we're going to see them do with that. Um, that being said, I can't even in my mind picture how they would use it. But I know there's got to be some cool new futuristic feature that they're working on for it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely excited about that. In addition to just all the other tech um, that we have that we have in the future. Another thing I'm excited about that I actually enjoyed uh, was this courier network. Now, whether, you know, Starfleet shuts that down going forward, I don't know. But that kind of added a edge to star trek you know what i mean like you know one of the reasons i love fireflies because it gave me star trek but it also gave me that rough edge you know what i mean and that that's kind of what you get with this courier network so i'm excited to kind of see where that goes yeah it's definitely at a grittier level than where i i think when we think of maybe enterprise is the exception but i think other series it's like it's government entity to government entity, you know, sort of more formal, I guess, if I'm saying that right. Right. And, and the Courier Network seems very informal, very r- ragtag. Get this Cowboy done. Space. Yeah, Cowboys in Space. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So I'm going to transition us just a little bit, keep keeping the courier network. But whenever I'm thinking about my favorite thing about the future, this is going to sound like a stretch here, but I'm going to say my favorite thing about the future is Cleveland Booker. I think this character offered a breath of fresh air as far as what we see as a non-traditional member of the crew. I mean, we've got Neelix and, you know, he is anything but Neelix. And (laughs) I think that Michael Burnham can exist as a character on her own without a love interest. She does not need one. But I think if you were to compare him to Takumba or whatever his name was, that was, um, what was the guy's name? The character? Yes. You're not going to hurt me anymore. Yes, the, 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 the chemistry between the two actors is so much more organic, in my opinion, than, than the chemistry between those two actors. I just found it much more believable. I found him a breath of fresh air, and I'm glad he's part of Star Trek. So there's my most favorite thing about the future. And, you know, if you uh, follow uh, David, Ajala. David Ajala on Twitter, you know, it's, and I hadn't looked at a whole lot of it, but a lot of times he's posting uh, little videos of he and Burnham like interacting outside of shooting. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying there's a outside relationship, but I think that just kind of transitions to the screen really well when you can have, I mean, it seems like they have that same interaction when they're not on screen. Yeah. They have like, they, they have, have that have friendship. Yeah. yeah. Chemistry. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Follow David Ajala on Twitter and Instagram. He he, a very positive person there, and he posts a lot of cool Star Trek stuff. So definitely follow him. And the cat has a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> She's a queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the Twitter handle, like Queen or something. Queenie. Yeah, my favorite thing about the future is Grudge the Cat. No, not really. Um, oh boy. <laughs> But 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 uh, Kyle, I totally agree with you. I mean, David. I mean, uh, books arc this season um, was not anything I was expecting. It was the thing I didn't know I needed. <laughs> if that very makes well sense. said, because like you said, the chemistry between him and Sonequa Martin Green is is you know you can tell that something is really there when they're acting against each other, and all the things. You know, that I would call rip off of Star Wars, but all the things is, is such as his reconfigurable ship, uh, Chewy slash grudge. And, you know, um, <laughs> and Did you say Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that they were able to the thing that I never saw coming, maybe this should have been one of my biggest surprises, but the fact that they made him integral to in his race, uh, the Quajon integral to the spore drive going forward now who Mm -hmm. knows if we even need the spore drive because we're going to have dilithium for you know i guess the planet will run out eventually (laughs) we've got a planet full of dilithium but you know to see these this empathic race suddenly become so important to the federation and by proxy to the the galaxy i thought that was really great for his arc and just again totally unexpected yeah i agree with that so, okay, I think we might ruffle some feathers here. Uh, biggest disappointment of the season. 
And before anybody says anything, I'm willing to bet we all have the same thing. Right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I bet we don't, because I don't think anybody's going to have mine. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Well, then Cal, by No, 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 no. I want you guys to go first. Because <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> he threw down the gauntlets to you, sir. <laughs> all right. So let's try something. On the count of three, Clarence, myself, and Jeremy, we'll all say it at the same time. Favorite disappointment. I mean, our most disappointing thing. All right. Okay. One, two, Three. The Bjorn. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was wrong. I lost a lot of money. Uh, well, we, we since we know you're going to say the burn, let me go ahead and explain why I'm so disappointed with Adira's arc in this season. I feel like they presented something really cool by having this human with a certain amount of mystery behind them um, carry this tall symbiote and. I thought they were really going to go places with that, but I really want to know all about the tall symbiote. And I don't think we've gotten a whole lot of other than what we've seen of gray. I don't think we've gotten a whole lot of what type of knowledge that symbiote can provide to Adira. So I'm really waiting for them to explore that more. I really love their character, but I want to see more. And I guess my disappointed disappointment is um, other than, you know, I guess she she was played a pretty important part on, or they played a pretty important part on the Dalekthion planet in the Verman Nebula. Nebula, but other than that, I, I really feel like there's more to that character that we have yet to see. And again, I think they're going to spin off. Speaking of that tech in the future, I think somehow we're going to get Gray out and open where everybody can see him as well. So a big disappointment, but I have a lot of hope that that character is going to be so much better in the next season. Let me say this really, really quick. I think that character would have worked better if it would have been not a trill. It would have been another new race of beings that they are species of beings that they have introduced us to. But I think we brought so many expectations knowing it was a trill and therefore the disappointment that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and granted, they're human. So that does bring another twist to the the whole puzzle there. But I, I still want to see more from that character. And I feel like we've only been teased with Gray so far. And we, you know, missed her for next season. But I, I still want to see more of that play out and see what's really going on and get more of the backstory about what makes tall, tall, you know? Well, yeah, I guess it just... I guess it would have been a disappointment, but I think it just disappointed me from the jump. So <laughs> I just kind of wrote it off as like nothing. And really, and I don't mean to take away from the actor or the writers, but like, in my opinion, we could have done without that character this season and been perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, they, well, we needed tall in order to find Federation. That was the reason why we had them. But did we really need them? Because that could have been easily have done. They could have given them the coordinates when they were on the planet where the the evil eyes was eating the ship or whatever. Yeah, right. I see what you're saying. I mean, I love that we made the trip to Trill. And I loved, I didn't love the ending of that. Ep- well, I didn't love the trip within the symbiote in that episode. Um, but everything around that episode, I, I loved and and again, you know, I I don't know. Did we need it, need them? Probably not. But I still feel like they were integral to the season. 
even though uh, they didn't play as big a bigger role as I would have liked. So so so, John, I want you to go ahead and um, wh- why, pray tell, do you find the burn to be disappointing? Yes, Jonathan. Why? <laughs> why not? <laughs> oh God! I, well, no. I, I mean, I don't want to bash on the burn because the source of the burn was also the source of a good story arc. So, like, you can't discount it. Like that, you know. Unlike the Adira arc, like we could have done without that. We could we could not have done without the source of the burn because I think that's going to play a big. It's going to have a big deal in the next season. Yeah. But my biggest disappointment was, I mean, it's from the from the beginning, we're hearing about something that knocked out all of the that lithium in the galaxy, like this big thing. And they've been trying to figure this out for I don't know how many years. Nobody's been able to figure it out. And I just expected a better ex- explanation. And I didn't get it. You know what I mean? And and, not, and I don't want to knock down the explanation. Uh, I think that was helpful for Saru's growth. I think it was helpful. I mean, we wouldn't have had the different captain opportunities without this. Uh, and then, you know, we the gray thing, we're probably going to explore a little more. So, I mean, it helped. It helped. But it was just a disappointing explanation. It's just not what I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, we and we we theorized a lot. You know what I mean? The Vulcans came up with this uh, corridor system or whatever the case may be. And, you know, they blame Starfleet and Starfleet blamed them. And then, you know, maybe it was Section 31 or maybe it was somebody from the Mirror Universe. You know, like we just had all these theories and didn't even come close. Everything you just said is going to prove a point. So I listened to a YouTuber talk about this, Kilowaski, um, excellent YouTube channel. You should definitely subscribe to them. But so so at the beginning, we get this big mystery. What is the burn? And he's in his explanation or his chat about it. He says that the biggest problem with the resolution of the burn is that we couldn't have predicted it by any other information they gave us this season. So if you're going to have like breadcrumbs, part of that satisfaction, even if you don't hit it on the nose is to, is for those breadcrumbs is for there to be some breadcrumbs to lead to that resolution. Right. So there is really nothing in the season that could have pointed us to Sakal being, you know, born on this planet and screaming to cause the burn. Nothing. Nothing. Right. All of the breadcrumbs we got actually were about locating the burn, but they were nothing about the cause of the burn itself. So I feel like that's why we don't get that satisfaction is that like, there was nothing for us to predict. We could never have predicted that. There were no breadcrumbs mm-hmm. leading to that resolution. Now, it led to the location, but it didn't lead to, you know, it didn't lead to the answer to the mystery, which you would hope that the breadcrumbs lead to the answer to the mystery. And if you're going to make such a big deal about it, like it should like it. And it's fine if your breadcrumbs are not going to lead to that exactly. Then, I mean, that's fine. I get it. Misdirection and a shocking reveal. But don't make such a big deal about it across so many, so much of the season. 
But is it a shocking reveal when the character that is the cause we have no emotional investment in? Either disliking the character or liking the character. We don't know the character, so we don't have any investment in the character. And I think that was the biggest issue I had was like, who, who is this person? Who is this Kelvian? This is our first introduction to him, and he's the cause. We didn't have any reason to care about him. And that's not taken away from the actor who portrayed him, Bill Irwin. He's a really good actor. But like you said, we don't know who this who who he is. I, th- I think if they would have seeded something that it didn't have to give us the exact answer, but they could have seeded it in a way to where when we did get the answer, we we would have felt like, OK, that's that's a logical conclusion. <laughs> but no, you could have never guessed it is, you know, and maybe that's the point. I don't know. And another question, like the song that they kept hearing over and over. In different places, like the music or the melody. Like, what did that lead to? Other than the distress distress signal being encoded in the song, I really have no idea why the Barzan family knew the song. I have no idea why Daryl was playing the song. It right right in, guys, at fans at DiscussingTrek.com or at DiscussingTrek on the social media. Tell us what we're missing here. That sounds to me like a poorly executed, he will knock four times. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Just did saying. I hear somebody say that, is that the same song that Saru, no, it's not the same song that Saru was singing to, no, he was singing a Kelpian melody, uh, right. nursery song. So yeah, it makes even less sense. What? But you know, I would have been happy if they just kept the mystery going and just kind of left more information as we go and not had given us an answer this season. Oh, I'd have been upset about that. Too. <laughs> I, mean, I, would I probably would have too, but it, well, I would have been happier if the resolution was better if it kept going than what we got. Because I think, it, I think again, goes back to what we originally said in the beginning. You know, if you continually build something, build mystery around something, then it also makes the makes you have to give the payoff a larger. You know what I mean? If we were to push this into the next season. But they could have left like bigger clues or bigger, yeah. you know, more answers as yeah. we go and kept and, it going. And, and like even going back to the last season, when we think of the red burst, even though I don't think any one of us predicted that when we got the answer, we was like, oh, yeah, I see that. OK, it makes sense now. You know, All right. we went like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. That's just kind of what we we need to expect. And, and so, Cal, what is your biggest disappointment of the season? Stamets is my biggest disappointment of the season. For me, every bit of character growth he had in the last two seasons, going from just the first time you see him as being this complete bleep to um, being someone that I actually liked as a character, he regressed to being a complete bleep by the end of the season, in my opinion. I did not like his arc. I, I liked, I mean, I, I, I liked, uh, Culber. He, he had yeah. a great arc, in my opinion. Yeah, he did. I think he grew as a character, in my opinion. But for every bit, you want to talk a symbiotic relationship for every bit of character growth that Culber had was regressed in my opinion for Stamets because I, by the end of it, I was like, Oh, um, you could have just sent him on his merry way and let book 
uh, do the spore drive because he was really irritating me by the end when he was given that evil eye to um, yeah. Michael Burnham. I, so that is my biggest disappointment, that character. Yeah. And mm. to, to his defense, <laughs> he, he had a reason to, you know, be given a stank out by the end. Hashtag stank out stamets. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I do feel like this season. So, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. In season two, he was very integral. To, well, no, nah, he was, but I'm trying to think. Season one, he was definitely very much in the storyline. Season two, we needed him especially for the sport drive. And he went through a, you know, a partner who came back from the dead, you know. So. By by the time we get here, I I feel like this season, while I didn't hate his arc, it feel like he was for ninety percent of it, he for ninety percent of it, he was just happy go lucky. I'm super happy guy, and to me that wasn't him either. All right. See, to me, he went from being a character to a plot device to neither. Oh, wow. very good. Huh. Wow, very good. He was a plot device, you know, to expand on what you just said, he was a plot device for Adira. And I think that is what made me dislike his arc so much was this immediate need to we're a family unit. And, you know, I know people have love as first sight, and, you know, and even with adoption, you, you know, the, the, a family could see a child and they have this immediate bond. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I just did not buy it where we were introduced to book and we have this, you know, in contrast, what what I was saying earlier about him and Michael Barnum. I bought that. I didn't buy them. We didn't see them enough together to get that relationship from them. Yeah. It would have been even better if they would have made mention that, like, they wanted an extended family. You know what I mean? Like, they never even mentioned anything about having children or having a, a actual family group. So, and that kind of made it even more weird. Well, they, they did, uh, Col- when Colbert was fussing to add Giorgio, he like makes a comment back. Like, she's like, I'll kill your kids. He's like, well, I can't, I don't have kids. And so I'm like, you know, they kind of alluded to it a little bit, mm. but, but, but is that but, enough but, though? <laughs> but let me add this. If you notice, I did not include Colbert in, in my, critique i'm saying stamets that interaction that uh, colber had with gray on the planet when he could actually see gray you know there, i felt a connection there i felt like he was yeah. you know like yeah seeing him seeing him and and i felt that and i was good and i was there for it i just didn't buy stamets Stamets just felt like he was in love with the idea of a family and not necessarily just kind of latched on to the first one that came about, came around. I never got the, I never got the feeling that he really cared about her as much as he cared about caring about her and needed to fill that void. Huber or Huber has to me, he cares and you felt that the bedside manner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I definitely felt that it, it did. I mean, Kyle, to your point, it did feel like, Stamets was there a lot of time just to fuel Adira's story. I will totally agree with that. And also, like, we don't get to see much of anybody on Discovery for that matter this season doing a lot of sciencey stuff, Star Trekky stuff. 
we almost had none of that from Stamets this season. So maybe that's another part of the disconnect. And maybe they're maybe his storyline is going in a different direction. And I think I said this previous episode, like it looks like they're kind of writing him off to not be part of the Discovery crew. Not necessarily saying he will not be part of the show, but I mean, they made a point to introduce someone else that can pilot the spore drive. And now he's against, he dislikes the captain, the new captain. So, I mean, really, he is not useful on the ship anymore. And let me say this real quick. And this is something. And if I don't say it, I'll forget it. This, we don't actually have a category for this, but this is something that I find very unique about this show, especially in Star Trek. I mean, I know we've had some characters die off before, you know, TNG first season, but I love the fact with this show that you don't know when a character may be leaving. Because look, we had two departures of characters that I didn't expect to see go this season, mid-season. I love that unexpectedness. On that note, can I just say what a wonderful job the cast and crew did as a whole of keeping spoilers from getting out? Yeah, definitely. Because that is some stuff that definitely would have gotten out. I had no idea any of this was going to happen. So, like, week to week, I literally had to wait for the episode to air to find out what was going to happen. And I loved it. They didn't leak the freaking Guardian of Forever. That is, like, freaking huge. That's another favorite moment for me. How did that not get leaked? It's so good. It's so huge for the franchise to bring back that character from so long ago, you know. Yeah. And then, like, when you talk about tie-ins, I definitely liked all the mention of the Hosperat. And um, we heard Bajor mentioned a few times. I thought we would see it. But, you know, um, I, I I hope in season. Why? Well, let's go ahead and get into season four predictions. Um, do we continue down that path of maybe revisiting some old things from previous shows? Uh, what 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 are your predictions? Where will they take the next season of Star Trek Discovery? Um, I don't know where they would take it, but I know what I, some stuff I want to see. Like, I would like to see some more non-human races that we've already been introduced to, but not really got to know, like the Tellarites, the Bolians, you know, just, you know, where where are they now? Are they yeah. part of the Federation? Are they off doing their own thing? Um. And, you know, some new and interesting uh, races as well. And I think that's a perfect setup that we have now, because now Discovery is delivering dilithium to all these planets. Like, I think that'll be a perfect setup to kind of see, hey, let's see what the Klingons are doing. Right. Hey, let's see what the, you know, Vulcan. I know we're already seeing what the Vulcans are doing, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's a good setup. It's still an issue this far in the future, which I know that's kind of a Picard <laughs> thing, but, yeah, you know. But, but they have so like much to, runway in that aspect to hit all these races that we didn't even hear about in this season. You know, what, what are they up to? <laughs> I find that to be right. a fascinating aspect of where the next season can, can dive into. And that should have a lot of meat and potatoes around it, you know? Right. And that kind of goes into my prediction. I you know, I put wrote down, it's going to be kind of a TNG type story. Like we, we hadn't really had that, you know, Picard and even, even on TOS, same thing. Like, they were flagships and the flagship of the Federation was tasked with getting things done throughout the Federation. And like the story kind of revolved around that. So we're going to send the enterprise to do this and they get there. And then there's a story about it. Then the enterprise went to do this and there's a story about it. 
So that's kind of where I see discovery going. And that's kind of where our, we're going to go into those like mini arcs, I would say, not really a continuing storyline. And I like think a, that'll be enjoyable. One episodic nature, yeah. not a story, not a mm. season long arc. Um, my also predictions is I listen, and maybe it's more of a hope than a pre- prediction, but I want to get to DS9 and see what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> In that same vein, I want to see the new crew, the crew, the current Voyager. Uh, and so that was another part of my prediction was I think we're going to see some more Voyager. I they made so they made it's, it a point to mention that a few times. That in seems the last to be the, the flagship, right? As of now, before Discovery came along. And my biggest prediction, and I'm going out on a limb here, but um, I've said this before. Uh, I think Saru comes back as an admiral. Hmm. I was going somewhere slightly different. I think Saru is going to come back as a captain, but as captain of a different ship. I agree with Jeremy there. I just don't see him being a ship captain. I don't see him being an admiral if he can't if he can't pull it really well as a <laughs> captain. How is he going to be an admiral? Well, and I think that's just kind of a difference. Like uh, admiral people be so you know. There's a running theme. Like there's a lot of. Well, I'm not gonna say a lot, but I mean most, the captains we've seen in Star Trek, like they've been offered higher positions than captain, and they don't want them. Because that's what they are. They are starship captains. That's what they do. That's what they enjoy. And they do, they do not like being an admiral. Um, Picard didn't like it. Uh, Cisco didn't like it. Kurt told Picard, don't let, don't let them take you off yeah. the ship. So, I mean, and that's, that's just kind of the thing. Like I, I stand by it. I said earlier, certain people can be captains and certain people can't. It doesn't mean you can't be an admiral. I think being an admiral requires a different set of talents and skills than a captain would. Yeah. And we've seen this throughout. I mean, Saru was a fine captain. He did a great job. But when it came time for someone to step up and be that captain outside of what Starfleet kind of wanted you to be. You know, the rebel sort of. I don't want to say rebel, but you know what I mean? Like that edge. Like, he couldn't be that. But Saru represents everything Starfleet is and wants to be. And they need that in Starfleet right now. But he just can't do it as a captain. He'll come back as the chief marketing officer of the Federation. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe Vance ends up becoming president because we realize the president is that guy. And that guy goes back to the mirror universe or something. I don't know. (laughs) You, you, You can have more than one admiral. So... Yeah, true, true. I would hate to see because I really enjoyed Vance. Like he, he was another one of my favorite arcs was Admiral Vance. Uh, I, I would hate to if we have Saru as Admiral and Vance as Admiral, then I'm kind of splitting my Admiral admiration. <laughs> <laughs> like I need one Admiral that I'm going to go to. You know what I mean? And every every Star Trek, we always had that one Admiral that always came up. I mean, the others would pop up here and there, but it was always that one that they went back to. Yeah. Kyle, do you have any predictions for season four? I don't. And I like the fact that I don't. Last season, we knew they were going to the future and we knew they were going to arrive there and something was going to happen. So we, you know, we had something tangible to speculate. Me personally, I have nothing to speculate about. And I like that because I can be pleasantly surprised by whatever happens. So, no, I don't have any predictions and I like that. 
So for me, my only real prediction is that we'll get more awesome tech. And I guess it's not a prediction. That's a hope. Um, but but in addition to everything we talked before about, you know, let's see what the what the um, the Klingons are doing. You know, let's see what the other races are up to. Let's visit some of these places we know that are integral to to uh, Trek lore. Let's let's bring Earth back into the fold. You know, let they'll, I'm sure they're going to work to try to get Earth back into the Federation in the next season. So I think that's going to be mostly what they're going to try to be do try to do. And uh, somewhere along the lines of what John said, I expect them to go even further to make the episodes as self-contained as possible. I would be happy if they even took the took a chance to maybe downplay the overarching mystery, you know, of the season in next season to just have something that's very subtle but focus more on these self-contained stories as they're going to go on these missions to distribute dilithium. Um, so that's going to be my prediction that they go to e- even more in the self-contained story range and just possibly have something that's a very small through line throughout the season. I don't want the mystery per se to completely disappear. I don't want it to be totally, totally self-contained, but you know, I'm not opposed to having less of a overreaching arc, but I don't want it to be so subtle that you blink and you and you'd miss it. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny you get what you ask for, right? Uh, we were going through the same thing in Doctor Who where we kept having this big mystery, and I think a lot of people were like, "Let's not do that." <laughs> but and once, then they didn't. Yeah, once we got the Chibnall, they stopped doing that. At least the first season, they stopped doing that pretty much. And I'm, I'm correct in that saying that, right, Kyle? The first season, you're a hundred percent right, and yes. we hated it. <laughs> and you are a hundred percent right again. <laughs> so, so maybe to still have that, you know, that overarching, you know, thing for the season is still a good thing to have and have some type of through line because we had got so used to that. When he took it away, it just felt strange. Yeah. So just to kind of put it in perspective, when you guys started talking about not having an you know an arc and everything being self-contained for individual episodes, I was like, no, I've already been burned on that. I don't want to be burned again. <laughs> <laughs> but you can still have both. You can still they can still you know. Over you can have a happy medium. There you right. go. So also, I wanted to throw in, I wanted to mention, I, you know, was just kind of digging through some things on the interwebs and I came across, you know, we mentioned a while back, Clarence, about the, uh, the discoveries crew logs that they're posting online on social media. Yeah. And so this was Saru's final Starfleet log. Uh, and I'll read it for you because it's been transcribed. He says, my final Starfleet Starfleet log for now. I have relinquished command of Discovery so that I may accompany Sukal to Kaminar. A difficult decision to be sure, but I have no doubt it is the right one. Adjusting to life outside the nebula will not be easy for him, especially as the repercussions of the burn become clear. I will help him acclimate to Kaminar society, ensure he feels safe and cared for, however long that takes. And I know I leave Discovery in excellent hands. Michael is more than a capable officer, she is a de- and she is a dear friend. I have no doubt she will exceed all expectations as captain. 
I cannot deny that I am quite eager to rediscover my home world, and I'm also comforted knowing that when I'm ready to return to the stars, discovery will be there. Until then, that's it. Oh, man. You know what? That made me think. I really hope the drama of Saru and Michael Burnham is now put to rest as we go into season four. You know, I wanted them to start fostering that relationship like we see between, you know, a Picard and Riker, uh, the, right. where they 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 100 percent trust each other going forward. There's no question. Um, you know, I don't want to have another season of them debating each other's trust. I think we've done that you know, enough by now. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, leaving the door open for Saru to, to come back to some post. <laughs> I don't know where. Yeah. Mm. Very much. Oh, can I throw out my wild card prediction? Let's hear it. So, you know, we have all these trick actors that are still alive, but are much older than their previous characters, you know, when they were, um, you know, helming their shows. It would be awesome if they could have some type of time anomaly where one of them gets in the future, like they've done before in pretty other shows, and they meet <laughs> Discovery. I think that would be so freaking cool, but probably not going to happen. But if I had to throw out a wild card, you know, uh, dream prediction, that would be it. That some person from, you know, the 90s era of Trek gets, you know, in a time anomaly where we see them in Discovery. That would be great. Hey, since Picard is a golem now and not going to age anymore. Maybe he'll show up. <laughs> yeah, true. But I think he's still going to die. At, I mean, I don't think they prolonged his lifespan. So, oh, okay. Not that we know of anyway. And if nothing else, um, let's, I guess, get everybody's rating for the season. <laughs> and I will go first. I'm reticent to give it a five just because the five has to be a perfect season. So I'm probably going to f- go at a four point five. And again, I still want to go back and look at all all our other episodes and see what that accumulated to. I'll post that somewhere so we can see it. But just off the top of my head, thinking about what I, you know, in hindsight, think of what the season is rated. I would probably go at a 4.5. What about you, Jeremy? I'm going to go with a 4.8. It was a really good season, but there was just like a few things that just nagged me and I can't let go of. But I'm going to go with a 4.8. John? Uh, I'm right along with you, Clarence. Like, I'm going to have to say 4.5. And probably if you go back and tally them all up, I'll probably be right around that. Uh, You know, as you said, you you don't want to give it a five because, I mean, five means everything was perfect. And we know it wasn't. Uh, But it was really, really good. Really good. So, like, if I would have to rate my favorite series, which is DS9 overall, I would probably rate that at like the 4.9, 4.8, 4.9. So Discovery is right up there with it right now. And uh, at 4.5. Awesome. Mm. Cal? I'm not going to break the trend. I'm going to keep it 4.5 because I like what you guys just said. I loved this season. It was fun. And for all the things I've already said, 4.5. All right. Well, Cal, I'm going to go right back to you. Uh, tell everybody what you've been working on podcast related otherwise or anything else you want to shout out all right well i have a feeling we will be reviewing this particular disney plus show in the very near future 
And this Disney Plus show would be WandaVision, which I've seen the first two episodes and thought it was awesome. So check us out at DiscussingComics.com. All right. Jonathan, anything you've been into, watching, listening to, podcast related or otherwise? Um, Actually, yes. Well, short of, you know, The Expanse, the latest episode of Expanse was freaking amazing. So got to keep that going. Um, And I've been going through enterprise again and i just got to their first borg episode which kind of made me think we should probably do an episode about the different borg encounters uh Mm. but what i really wanted to mention was a new series on netflix called lupin and it's a uh, does that have anything to do with lupin the third (laughs) i don't i mean (laughs) i don't know if that's where lupe got that from but it's a uh it's pretty it's a TV series based off of a French story about a gentleman thief named Arsene Lupin. Uh, yeah. and it kind of reminds me of, you remember that movie with Sean Connery when he was like the art thief? Yeah. Uh, Entrapment, I think yes. it was. And that's one of my favorites, but it's just kind of like that master of uh, disguise. And he's like 14 steps ahead of everybody. And it's just really good. It's really, 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 really good. Wow, it's it's the same character. I'm looking it up. <laughs> they made what? <laughs> same character as who? Lupin the Third. So Lu- Lupin the Third is like a Japanese anime. Um, but the name of the character I didn't know his real name till now. It's Arsene Lupin the Third. Oh, a, really? Yeah, and that's the same as this guy on this Netflix show. I thought you were referring to so you know Lupe Lupe Fiasco made, makes mention to Lupin the Third in a couple yeah. of his songs. Yeah, that's who's he referring. He's referring to the Japanese anime. To the anime. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Interesting. I'm uh, sorry, I had to derail your conversation. Go ahead. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, the main character Omar Sy, he's he's awesome, man. I've never seen him in anything. Uh, I'm sure you guys probably have, but uh, he, he's great in this, man. You, Definitely should give it a check it out. It's good. All right. Jeremy, any shout outs, man? Um, I've, I saw the first two episodes of one division, like most everybody else here. And I probably don't share the same enthusiasm. Everyone does. Um, is it not flashy enough for, for you, sir? It's, <laughs> <laughs> I just, maybe I just don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it was entertaining. It just, I just, I just wasn't overall impressed. All right, fair enough. With all with all due respect, I, with all due respect, I think, and you said it yourself. So I'm not. I, this is not a down, but I don't think you get the character of where they're going. But I think if you did, I think you would think it was awesome. Possibly, I'm, I'm willing to. I'm willing to listen. You know, that's the reason why I have not watched it is because I just truly do not understand the backstory to it there's a reason why they call her crazy wanda just saying yeah uh for me i just like the 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 uh bewitched and <laughs> what's the i love lucy tones they're uh you know exuding in the first two episodes I, I and is it, it true i I read that there is actually filmed in front of a live audience yes is it really that i think that so, is yeah. awesome. wow i thought it was a laugh track that's crazy I don't remember where I read it, but they said it was filmed in front of a live audience. And that hadn't <laughs> happened in forever that Pretty I can amazing. think of. Pretty amazing. All right. Well, for me, uh, my only shout out would really be that I've been watching Andromeda on uh, Amazon Prime. 
I've never seen Andromeda. <laughs> Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. <laughs> and uh, the first season is very much set up like Star Trek Discovery Season 3 <laughs> in, oh, a, in, in some ways. So I think it's called the Commonwealth, I think is the name of the main, um, their federation. And in the this is f- first episode, so I'm not spoiling anything. First episode, the Andromeda gets caught in a uh, black hole or the event horizon of a black hole. And 400 years later, somebody else pulls the Andromeda out. Um, and when he emerges from it, he finds that his Commonwealth is gone and he's searching to find his Commonwealth and restore the Commonwealth. Does that sound familiar? Is that the uh, Kevin Sorbo? Yeah, and I've heard some things about Kevin Sorbo. So I'm <laughs> I, well, I hadn't heard anything, but I remember watching that when I was younger. Like it would come on late at night. I, I want to say I watched like the first episode like here about a year or two ago, and I just couldn't get past the graphics are horrible. The visuals they're horrible. <laughs> they're so bad. They're think of Babylon 5's attempt to do computer graphics, but but a little more modern. It was still bad, but um, <laughs> yeah. It seems but like I, it would be even bad for when it came out. Well, it came out in early, late 90s, early 2000s, I think. Yeah, it did. So yeah, it was still the attempt to go all CG. It really just makes, makes us want to be thankful that um, <laughs> all the Star Trek CG it was done really, really well for his time. <laughs> Just be thankful because, man, whew, Andromeda graphics are, are pretty, pretty weird that first season there. But that's my shout out Andromeda watching it on Amazon Prime. One Division from Jeremy, Expanse, Enterprise, and Lupin on Netflix from Jonathan and Discussing Comics from Kyle. So, guys, that's going to be it. What are your thoughts on season three of Star Trek Discovery? As always, you can send feedback into fans at discussingtrek.com or Hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know <laughs> what you guys thought of the season. But yeah, that's that's the end of um, season three, and we'll you know come back with other Trek topics in the coming weeks. But until next time, folks, live long and prosper. listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. Discussing Network.